there. I'm Andrea Koppel, and it's time for coffee, the podcast where you get to hear firsthand what the jobs and careers that interest you the most are really like. Hey there, Java junkies. If you're a fan of publishing or writing and think you may want to become an author one day, or perhaps it's editing or even illustrating that really intrigues you, or even marketing and promoting books, or maybe all of the above, well, my T4C guest does all of that. And he didn't work his way up the ladder. He pretty much built his own ladder after he decided he didn't want to stay in the field of law. And here we are 15 years later, and he's the co-founder, CEO, and publisher of Mascot Books. But before I introduce you to Naren Ariel, I want to make sure you've signed up for the Java Junkies Journal. That's our weekly newsletter that comes out on Monday morning and gives you an overview of the five new episodes we're going to be dropping each day that week with a background on who we're interviewing and what we're going to be talking about. And all you need to do is go to the Time for Coffee website at time, the number four, coffee.org and sign up. It's super easy. Now, please grab your mug and take a chug of a delicious caffeinated beverage because it's time for another caffeinated career conversation. And my guest is Naren Ariel, the co-founder, CEO, and publisher of Mascot Books, one of America's fastest growing and leading independent publishing houses. Mascot Books is a full-service hybrid publishing company dedicated to helping authors at all stages of their publishing journey create a high-quality printed or digital book that matches their vision. Naren is also the author of How to Sell a Crapload of Books with Tim Vandehey, who is a New York Times bestselling ghostwriter, in which they share 10 secrets to building a killer author marketing platform that nobody else is talking about. Naren, welcome to Time for Coffee. Are you caffeinated and ready to go? I am caffeinated. I am ready to go. Hello, Andrew. Hello. I was just going to ask you, what is your favorite brew? I am a venti latte, extra hot from Starbucks type of guy. And how long does it take you to go through it? I get it pretty warm. So it takes me about 15 to 20 minutes. Okay. Not that I'm an expert on the requisite amount of time it takes to go through a drink, but like me, if I get a venti, it's still there eight hours later. So just curious. Naren, before we get into why and how you co-founded Mascot Books in September of 2003, could you share with the T4C community what the similarities and differences are between Mascot Books and a traditional publishing house, something like like a random house or a penguin, one of the big five New York houses. Absolutely. So Mascot Books is a hybrid publishing company. And by hybrid, we mean somewhere between self-publishing on one end. Everyone knows Amazon and CreateSpace. They've got the self-publishing, pure self-publishing part of the spectrum covered. And then on the other end is Random House, Penguin, what we call the big five. Mascot Books is in the middle in that we have elements of both traditional publishing and self-publishing. The biggest difference is a couple differences, actually. One is speed to market. We get good books onto the market quickly. We don't require engaging with agents. And in the hybrid space, there are author-funded production costs. But in exchange, the authors get a higher portion of the sales revenue. Under our model, it's typically 85% of sales go to the authors. So those are the big differences. 
I spent a pretty good amount of time the other day on your website, Naren, and I read the FAQ section and I want to pick up on something you said about speed to market because holy cow, you are not kidding. You actually, and please correct me if this is wrong, but from the time that Mascot hears about a book from a prospective author, you will hit the market within four to six months. Is that right? Yeah, that's generally right. I mean, some instances go faster, believe it or not, and some go slower. The biggest variable is whether the manuscript is ready when we hear from the author. Some folks need help with editors and ghostwriters, which we also provide. Others come to us with a manuscript that's fully baked and ready for production. Other areas of production like design and printing. So if an author comes to you with a fully baked manuscript, that's when you can hit the market within four to six months. That's right. We can have a physical book in two months, and that's what we call a book in hand date. And then we can have a release date that is typically three months after that time. Okay. That is stunning because in the big five publishing world, you're talking about a year longer, if not more, right? Yeah, that's right. And of course, in the traditional publishing world, you're required to find an agent first who's then going to pitch your manuscript to the large houses. And you know that's not a given for, I would say, about 99% of the writers out there in the world. Terrific. You also mentioned there are some shared costs. Can you break that down for us? Sure. The costs depend on the genre of the book, whether we're talking about a children's book, which has different costs versus a you know full-length manuscript that's 80,000 words. Those costs include things like editing, graphic design, printing, and warehousing of titles as well. And so the specific costs, again, vary based on some of the factors that I just mentioned, but there are costs and the authors contribute to those costs during the course of production. We should tell Time for Coffee listeners that Mascot publishes all kinds of books. You mentioned the children's books, but you also publish fiction, nonfiction, cookbooks, coffee table books, coloring books. What are the various services that you offer people who come to Mascot? Sure. We see authors that have published with the big five in the past. We also work with authors that have never published. So it really does depend on what the author and the project really require. So these suite of services include things like help with concept development, ghostwriting if needed, editing, various levels of editing, which include developmental editing, copy editing, line editing, and of course, proofreading. So that's on the editorial side. And then we move into things like design. Cover design is very important, of course. Interior design, we manage. And we also then move into printing the books into physical format and also converting that physical format file into ebooks. And our books are sold on the prevailing devices such as the Kindle and the iPhone and the iPad. So everything on the production end, number one. And then number two, on the distribution end, we also help our authors get meaningful distribution. And what does that mean? That means online retailers like Amazon. That means other online retailers like barnesandnoble.com and booksamillion.com. But some of our books are also sold at brick and mortar places, including Barnes and Noble stores. And unfortunately, brick and mortar bookstores are not as plentiful as they once were, but we still get good placement at places like Barnes and Noble and the airport shops and gift shops. And it all really depends on what genre we're talking about and where the book is a good fit. So that is production, distribution. And then the third element is marketing. Having a book is is fantastic. You've got to have good content, but the other piece of it is marketing. And so we help authors with what we call author platform. And that includes things like author websites, 
social media presence, generating content such as blogs and podcasts and videos around a book launch and outreaching and trying to get editorial coverage for the book. So it really is a full suite of services that authors need and exactly what author needs what is what we help them determine on the front end. I'm just wondering as you're talking, is there anything that you don't do? Is there anything that you would say mascot doesn't cover that maybe you would have if you went to a big five? Or are you doing that plus? Hmm, That's a good question. You know, no, there really isn't anything that we don't do. We work on fantastic projects that from authors that have worked with the big five in the past. There are some editorial lines that we draw. But in terms of functional areas of publishing, I like to think that we do everything that the big five does. Great. Naren, what do you do as the CEO and publisher at Mascot? Can you take us into a typical day or maybe a typical week? Sure. As CEO, I'm fortunate to have a great team. So I'll say that up front. And so my job as CEO, I think, is to provide support to the folks that are heading our various divisions. And in a publishing house, the various divisions include acquisitions. And so at Mascot, we've got five acquisitions editors who review manuscripts and make decisions regarding where we can help and where we cannot. So I interface with the head of our acquisitions department on a daily basis. And then we have production. And when I say production, these are the folks that actually manage a project from the time a contract has come in till the time a book is ready. So I work on some production-related issues on a daily basis. And then the last piece is marketing. As I mentioned, I'm very involved on the marketing end. Just this past week, I was up in New York taping of Fox and Friends for one of our authors. And it's nice to get out there and you know try to get some big media hits for some folks as well. And then the last piece of it as CEO, of course, is the administrative side of the company, where you, know, you handle the business-related things that come up from time to time, if not on a daily basis. You mentioned in the Espresso Shots episode that you do a lot of reading of manuscripts too. Like, How many books are you reading on any given week? I think I read about 20 or 30 manuscripts a week. And when we started, I was reading all of the manuscripts. And so now, fortunately, I've got a good team that, that reads the manuscripts and provides a synopsis to me. And we take a joint approach in terms of determining which manuscripts we can work with and which ones we cannot. So you read... 20 to 30 manuscripts a week or 20 to 30 synopses a week? Or is it synopsises? <laughs> I, so I, I think I read about 20 to 30 manuscripts a week. And I know that sounds like a lot, but bear in mind, some of these are children's books. Some of these are cookbooks and you know, probably a good third are full length books. So I do have the benefit of having an intern or two provide me synopses or synopsises. <laughs> so it, it's probably not as daunting as it sounds. And how many books does Mascot publish in any given year? So we are growing like crazy. And so last year, we published close to 400 books. And then this year, we will publish close to 500 books. Wow, that is a ton. Oh my gosh. I want to read a testimonial, Naren, from your website from one of the author's you've published, and her name is Erica Jackson. Then I'm going to quote here. Once I decided to publish my book 13, I began to research the process for doing so. I became instantly overwhelmed until I found Mascot Books. From manuscript submission to book delivery, Mascot made me feel special. Not only did they provide me the tools and know-how of book publishing, but they also encouraged me along the way. There was no question they couldn't answer and nothing short of heroics with bringing my book to life. Mascot 
isn't just a publishing company. They are people too. People who care about their authors as well as creating a sea of possibilities for your end product. I would recommend Mascot Books to anyone from the first-time author to the seasoned writer. They can do it all. How does that make you feel? I'll tell you what, that makes me feel fantastic. And I can hear uh, reviews like that all day long. And so if we want to spend the rest of this time with you just reading reviews like that, we can do that. Is there a particular type of author you seek to work with where it's just a great fit all around? Yes, yes. I particularly enjoy working with authors that are meticulous when it comes to their content, but, and I think I mentioned this before, but also are very mindful of the marketing end of things, what it takes to get a good book in front of the intended audience. And so somebody that comes to us with that mindset is the author that I love working with the most. When you started Mascot 15 years ago, how unusual was it to find independent publishers? And how has that changed over the last 15 years? Well, the publishing industry generally has changed quite a bit during the time that I've been here starting and now running Mascot. And so at that time, authors' options were limited to the large houses in New York. And then what's happened is Amazon came along and their self-publishing platform came along. And all of a sudden, the world of books really opened up to a lot of folks. And so it's it's changed so much. And then the ebook revolution happened. The shrinking of the retail presence of the bookstore happened. And more recently, the resurgence of the independent bookstore has happened. So we could talk about this the whole time as well, just the changes that have happened over the last 15 years in the world of publishing. And, And I feel like we've been a big part of it at a really critical time in the industry. So how many independent publishing houses are there now? I mean, roughly. Boy, I'd have to say there's probably about 50. Okay. And when you started in 2003, how many were there? Oh, there were just a handful, maybe five, 10. So you really were among the pioneers? I think so, yes. Naren, the question I have been dying to ask you How did you go from being a corporate lawyer, someone who worked as legal counsel for various tech, business development, and startup companies, to actually going all in and founding an independent publishing house? Well, it was 2003, and we were at a college football game at Virginia Tech, where I went to school. And my daughter, Anna, who was three at the time, wanted a children's book about Virginia Tech's mascot, the Hokey Bird. And I was between jobs, taking a few months off, and I thought, you know what? How tough can this be? I'm going to publish a book about the Hokey Bird, the mascot at Virginia Tech. And so at the time, I didn't know anything about the world of publishing. And under a license from the university and hiring a art student from Virginia Tech, we put together this simple children's book called Hello, Hokey Bird, which followed the Hokey Bird mascot around the campus, the beautiful campus of Virginia Tech on his way to the football game. And so we just did it as a hobby. And one day, 5,000 books showed up at my door. And I thought, wow, this is a proud moment in my life. And quickly thereafter, I realized I did not know the first thing about selling books. So the good news is we had a built-in target market. We knew how to reach. And within three months, we sold 5,000 Hello Hokey Bird copies. And at that time, it became obvious that there was a business opportunity here, a niche opportunity within the world of publishing that no one had really paid attention to. And so then we went all in, as they say. And within a year's time, we had 45 similar titles starring mascots at various universities. And that's how Mascot Books got its start. That's how Mascot Books got its name. So take us into those very early days. 
what were you doing to build a publishing house? How did you start? Like, what were all the moving pieces that you were having to juggle? So the collegiate uh, season, very well, the college licensed product industry is very seasonal. So we went through the first season with our one book, and then we knew we had six or seven months to get the next set of books ready for the following fall. And so after that first initial bit of success, we just went into production mode and we got licenses from another 40 universities. And we just sort of followed that same formula that we had established for our first book. And by the time September of 2004 rolled around, we had instead of one title that we started with, we had 45 titles. So there was a lot of production. And then once the books got ready and the fall arrived, it was a lot of calling retailers and trying to get books placed at the various university bookstores and fan shops at the various colleges that we serviced. And how did you know where to go to get the book published? Where were you publishing it? Well, so that's when we actually started Mascot Books, the publishing company. So they were all published under our label. But we did have to go out and find a book printer. And again, printing is is a complicated thing that I knew nothing about. I really knew nothing about everything in the industry and sort of learned on the fly. And and so that's, you know, a lot of trial and error. And So how did you find the folks to do the printing? Did you go online and just Google it? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. I went online and and probably filled out some forms. And, you know, once somebody knows that you're interested in printing books, all of a sudden you hear from, you know, 15 different printers. And and that really confused the matter for me because just, you know, I had to learn a lot of, you know, nuts and bolts things about book specs and paperweight and and binding and, and all that good stuff. And so when did the pivot happen away from just doing the books about mascots into, hey, let's open this up to authors across the board. So the pivot happened in about 2009. And we we had some success. And we got our books into the big box retailers like Costco and Sam's Club. And we did such a good job in the children's licensed business for colleges and then thereafter professional sports teams that we saturated the market. So that happened. And then the other thing that happened was the self-publishing revolution sort of happened along those lines at the same time as well. And so what I saw is another business opportunity because there was a floodgate opening up of self-published titles. And many of these titles could have really used professional production and help with distribution. And so at that point, we started shifting from publishing under publishing our own titles to helping others publish their titles simply because we had learned how to produce and how to distribute books by that time. You know, we were seven or eight years into the business at that point in time. So we had some expertise that we found a demand that authors wanted to tap into. And how did you get your name out there? We had sold a lot of books um, under our own label. And so people just sort of knew us and particularly in the children's space initially, they knew us. And so after we started publishing a few books for other people, it just spread. I can't explain it. We did good work and people told other people and it just spread. So it was kind of word of mouth. Initially, yes. Got it. You know, back then we didn't we didn't have a fancy Google ad adword campaign. You know, we were novices to all this. And so word of mouth and doing a good job and the business just came. Naren, I want to go back to when you were a hokey bird at Virginia Tech and your major was finance. Did you have any idea what you were gonna do with that degree when you graduated? I really didn't. And that's one of the reasons why I went to law school, because I had no idea what I wanted to do when I grew up. As I said, and if you would have told me I would have been in publishing, you know, 10 years later, I would have said, you're crazy. 
So what was your first job when you graduated and how did you get it? Sure. So when I graduated, I went straight to law school. So I put off getting into the real world as much as possible. And then when I went to law school, I started working for law firms as a law student intern. And I remember I worked at a general litigation firm for a little while and I really didn't like it. And then I graduated and then I started moving to in-house legal careers such as corporate counsel and and ultimately general counsel. I enjoyed that a little bit more, but it wasn't what drove me. It didn't get me out of bed in the morning excited. And I didn't know what would until I stumbled upon mascot books and this opportunity that that I sort of embraced 15 years ago and haven't looked back. Naren, outside of going to class at Virginia Tech, were there any extracurricular activities that you were involved in, any volunteer work, any internships, any clubs or whatever that in hindsight, you think, wow, I was actually honing skills while I was doing those things that I was enjoying that were actually useful once I got out into the working world? Yeah, that's a great question. And so I had to pay my own way through school. And as part of that, I had to work full-time job and go to school. And so hard work and work ethic and, and all those good things that come with having a job and trying to go to school, I think really served me well in the long run and including you know, what it takes to run and operate your own business. Absolutely. In fact, George Leon, who I interviewed a number of weeks ago, who is also the CEO of his own film marketing company in Hollywood. He also worked his way through college and says he believes that the skills that he was getting, kind of having to juggle the responsibilities that come with working full-time while you're in undergrad, have served him well throughout his entire professional life because he's got such an incredible work ethic. Do you think that's true for you too? Oh, for sure. For sure. And then, you know, you add on top of that a rigorous curriculum like finance. It was a lot at a young age, but it's an invaluable experience. Wonderful. Now, you've already said why you went to law school there, and it was because you weren't really sure what to do next. Do you think that you have any regrets that you got that extra degree? You're in publishing now. How useful is it to have a law degree in the line of work that you're in? Well, first of all, no regrets at all. A law degree is great base for a lot of different areas, disciplines, and that includes the world of publishing. And in my line of work today, I do all of our own contracts and I'm always negotiating. When we initially started, I mentioned that we did licensed children's books. So that involved negotiating licenses. The law degree definitely has been a useful tool in my work here at Mascot. Thanks for that. Naren, one of the questions that I try to ask all Time for Coffee guests is to share a time in their professional life when they really struggled. For some of us, you know, we were fired or just had very challenging bosses or colleagues and may have been that there was a difficult external environment. The economy obviously has its ups and downs, whatever the case may be. Could you share a story from your own life, Naren, when you may have hit a roadblock of some kind? And more importantly, how you persevered? How did you get through that difficult time? And what lessons do you think Java junkies can take away from it? Yes. In 2008, I believe it was, perhaps 2007, we had just finished a great year. Our distribution was going fantastic. We had done great at Sam's Club and Costco, and we got our inventory 
to those big boxes through a distributor. And that distributor ended up filing for bankruptcy. And if you know anything about bankruptcy, it's not fun, particularly when one of your distributors files for bankruptcy. That year, we had just exceeded $1 million in gross sales. And this distributor went under owing us $400,000. Not fun. And so it was devastating because you know you just worked really hard to build this company and you got it to a point where it was self-sustaining and, and profitable and then something like this happens and so what what happened at that point and I remember my thought process is you know this would be a great time to sort of give it give up and and go back to the law and do something else but I had this feeling that you know we'd come so far and we'd proven this concept works this is a devastating blow but I'm not gonna let this hold me back and so we just sort of sucked it up and just continued and I think the big lesson there is is no matter what you do, no matter what your walk of life or profession, there are going to be setbacks and everyone's going to face them. And it really is how you react and what your next steps are that define you as a person or a business owner or whatever you're doing. How did you recover from that? It took a while. First of all, you know, we went through the bankruptcy proceedings and got maybe, I think it was 25 cents on the dollar, but we were three or four years in. You know, I mentioned earlier that I didn't know anything about the world of publishing, but by that time I had learned a lot and I was able to use that to sort of diversify our business model, which we talked about a little while ago, and really get this company on the right path to where we are today. Mm, Must have been devastating. It was was definitely devastating. Naren, if you could go back to Virginia Tech and do it all over again, but based on the wisdom you have now, what advice would you give yourself? Wow, that's a good question. So if I could go back and do it all again, based on the wisdom that I have today, I think I would try to enjoy the college experience a little more. And I know that when you're going through college, that next test seems like the biggest thing in the world or, you know, the GMATs or the LSATs. And, you know, yeah, of course, those things are important, but they're they're not as important when you're 15 years down the path and looking back at it. So I think a little perspective is called for. And I know that's easier said than done, but that's what I would try to achieve. And what do you think you would be doing to enjoy it more? Well, I think that, you know, spending more time, again, I, my, my experience was a little different because I, I worked full time and I went to school. So my time was was short for anything that didn't involve those two things. But I would have carved out more time to do some of those things and spend time with friends and, and just enjoy a little bit more. Yeah, absolutely. Naren, thank you so so much for making Time for Coffee today with me and the Time for Coffee community. I want Java junkies who are interested in perhaps writing a book, getting into the world of publishing to buy Naren's book, How to Sell a Crapload of Books, 10 Secrets of Building a Killer Author Platform. What you have done, Naren, with Mascot Books is remarkable. I have tremendous respect and admiration for what you've done. The idea that you had zero background in this industry and built it brick by brick is just remarkable. I wish you continued success and lots and lots of titles to come. Andrea, thank you so much. This has been such a pleasure and it's great talking to you and hopefully we can do it again sometime soon. Thanks so much for listening to Time for Coffee, where the professionals in the jobs that most interest you always have time to grab coffee 24-7, no matter where you live. I have one quick favor to ask you. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe to Time for Coffee. Thanks so much.